Watch this. You're listening to The Word on Long Beach. And now, Jackie Ray. Welcome back to The Word on Long Beach. This is the first podcast of 2022. It's exciting. We've been through a lot within the last two years, but here we are, 2022, and not only COVID, but we are in the midst of another mess, if you will. If you don't know, on Monday, more than 8 million gallons of raw sewage spilled into the Dominguez Channel waterway in Carson. Now, because of that, our beaches here in Long Beach are still closed. The Long Beach Health Department is testing the waters to determine when we can get back in the waters, but I wanted to know what the long-term effects of that was. So I reached out to the Aquarium of the Pacific and they introduced me to Dr. Stephanie Ware. Now she is the newest member of the Aquarium's Board of Directors and she's been instrumental in the Aquarium joining the Ocean Sewage Alliance. And that organization is working to reverse the negative effects of sewage in our oceans. So she just returned from vacation from the Virgin Islands. I'm very lucky to have her with me. Now I'm back and my um, colleague, the CEO of the Crime of the Pacific just messaged me and he's like, (laughs) funny, he said, there's a big spill in Long Beach. I bet you're thrilled. Like for some reason he thinks I get excited about this stuff. I'm like, I'm not thrilled. Right. But it does make the point because I've been working a lot on this problem over the last several years trying to point out the issue Mm-hmm. And so when there's an example, it's like, there it is again, you know? Right. So yeah, that, um, that'd be I'll- a great place for us to start because I had never heard Claire um, from the Aquarium of the Pacific. She let me know that you are um, part of the Ocean Sewage Alliance. And I, she sent me this press release and I love the first line of it. And it says that you're basically committed to repotty training the world. <laughs> <laughs> what exactly yeah. does that mean? <laughs> well, yeah. So, okay, so we just launched the Ocean Sewage Alliance um, in June. Mm-hmm. So I work, I work for the Nature Conservancy, and um, I've, I've worked for them for 20 years, and I'm a marine scientist, and I, I personally just noted in all of my work, and I did a lot of mostly global work, that this was a problem that I was seeing everywhere I went. And I mostly worked in tropical systems, mostly mm. coral reefs. And so I was seeing it there. And so I kind of started there. Um, and so the Ocean Sewage Alliance was born out of the research I did, the partnerships I built, and just a recognition that we were, that the conservation slash environmental community was really ignoring this problem mm. and leaving it to the sanitation sector and the development sectors to solve it. Even though we are, def- we are experiencing, if you think about our interests, the the negative results of sewage pollution mm-hmm. by the habitats we're trying to protect being polluted. So, the Ocean Sewage Alliance came together as a group of now we're we're around 24, 25 different organizations. We're growing, we're like rapidly, which is exciting. Um, to make people <laughs> to rethink how we manage wastewater, and and so. It's, you know, it's potty humor left and right. You know, you can make poop jokes all day long. Right. Um, and, and so we really felt like we needed people to start looking at, you know, re-potty training the world is very tongue-in-cheek, but the point is, like, we are wasting a valuable resource. That's one of the concepts that we talk a lot about. Um, we're flushing down nitrogen, phosphorus, water, 
um, you know, potential fuel, energy, fertilizer, and drinking water, mm-hmm. and we're polluting the environment with it. Mm-hmm. And so that's one. That's the point of repotty training. It's like, hey, we're doing this all wrong. We are sitting, literally sitting on gold mines. Each one of us is producing natural resources, the ultimate renewable resource. Um, we need to start thinking about this and stop polluting the environment with something that we desperately need right. in terms of, you know, nitrogen and phosphorus and water and energy and, you know, all of these things. So, so that's kind of where we, we play, we're playing around with the potty training the world. But that's, that's a piece, that's a potential solution we talk about in our work, mm-hmm. but it's just a piece. You know, there's all kinds of infrastructure that's needed, whether that's built infrastructure like wastewater treatment plants and sewer systems or septic systems, or it's green, what we call green infrastructure, which is like using constructed wetlands and bioswales and green roofs and all these things to manage stormwater and treat water in um, ways that have different benefits habitat benefits if you have a constructed wetland um you know you're creating habitat at the same time as treating water because mm-hmm. the wetlands can naturally treat wastewater so so we're full of ideas about solutions but when our biggest point as an organization is that we need to be working together across sectors so right. we're growing our partnerships with sanitation sector and health and tech and behavior science and you know obviously conservation that's kind of where it all came from Mm -hmm. but we recognize that these problems are solved together not in silos right so so i know yeah i know your boss he made a joke that you probably love this obviously you don't but it like you said it does give you an opportunity to drive a point home so with the spill that we just had and and now we're closing the beaches and i know a lot of people might have the thought process of okay They'll, they'll get it all cleaned up and then eventually we can go back to the beach. But can you kind of tell people what the long-term effect is of a spill like this? Yeah, I mean, there are long-term and short-term effects. I mean, the short-term effects that people will experience are the beach is closed and had they been exposed, they're going to potentially get sick, right? There's, mm-hmm. It's obvious to people getting exposed to raw sewage isn't good for your health. You can get a whole range of diseases short-term and long-term diseases so um that's obvious but the the, this is a big this is a big event right you've got a what is it a four-foot pipe that burst right um i was just looking it up i was like okay so what happened so i looked it up okay four is like 48 inch pipe that burst and that's just one weakness in the system and long beach is not unique in the sense that we have aging infrastructure all over the country. Mm-hmm. Now, a, per- a burst pipe is a very dramatic event. It's a very visible event. It's a quick influx of or dumping of sewage into the environment. Mm-hmm. But this is happening every day and little by little all throughout these pipe systems because they're old and they're leaky. And so we're constantly leaking sewage into the environment. Um, I'm not an expert on Long Beach pipe systems and their infrastructure, but I do know that um, on quick search, you may have seen this too, um, that they have recently had a higher than normal number of sewage spills right. um, in their system, right? So 
So that's an indication to me, like I was reading there, like we need to get to the bottom of this and figure out what happened. Um, guests, outsiders guess is they need to, re- you know, they're hyper tools. They need to replace them. And this, like I said, isn't unique to Long Beach. The U.S. has a 270 billion with a B right. um, backlog of, of wastewater infrastructure um, projects. There's like a million miles of pipe that needs to re- be replaced and wastewater treatment plants and, you know, all these different systems. So we are really lagging mm-hmm. on taking care of our wastewater infrastructure. And what that means for the big picture um, across the country, but definitely in Long Beach, is that we're leaking sewage into our environment. So to get back to your question about <laughs> the long-term impact, this has a negative impact on the coastal environment too. So there's human health impacts, there's economic impacts, right? Because businesses are shutting down, and, um, you know, people aren't able to go about their daily lives. So there's all this disruption that occurs. Mm-hmm. But then the coastal habitats are getting polluted. And historically, um, this was the goal, the, the goal, and it's still in many cases, but the plant, get the sewage to the ocean. Like, that's how sanitation has managed. Like, let's just get it to the ocean, and then it's taken care of. Like, this old adage of the solution to pollution is dilution. Mm-hmm. You know, once it's in the ocean, we're good. But that's not true. These habitats are um, sensitive. They are sensitive to increases in nitrogen and phosphorus in their systems that can cause overgrowth of algae and toxic algal blooms. Um, there's more in sewage than that, right? There's toxins, there's pathogens, there's, um, you know, PFAS, there's pharmaceuticals. Um, we, the pharmaceuticals we ingest, 60% go right through us right, and into our wastewater and then end up in the environment. So, um, these can accumulate, bioaccumulate in the tissues of fish and other um, sea creatures. Um, so there are, this is like chronic. There's a chronic problem that's constantly happening. And then there is the, there are these big events that shed a big spotlight on, whoa, you know, like this is gross. This is salacious, you know, sort of news mm-hmm. um, when you have this, gross, disgusting event that people can really see. But the bigger problem is actually this chronic, invisible um, pollution that continues to occur. And this occurs all over the world. Um, when I started my work, I thought it was just like a developing world, like poor, like low-income country, mm-hmm. tropical problem, because it's, it's ex- extremely bad in those parts of the world. Um, the Caribbean discharges 85% of their sewage untreated into mm. coastal waters as an example. Oh, wow. So, but then I realized, I realized, whoa, it's happening everywhere. And like examples of places where they have great treatment, but their systems aren't, aren't built to manage the population densities we have. Mm-hmm. That's probably what's going on in Long Beach. Um, in New York City, they discharge 27 billion gallons of untreated wastewater a year into the Hudson River Basin um, because every time it rains, um, there's all the stormwater too, and the systems can't handle that kind of influx of water. So 
it wasn't clear to me if Long Beach has a combined sewer overflow system. I see they have a sanitary sewer system mm-hmm. and they're reclaiming a lot. It looks like they're reclaiming water, which is great, especially in a place where water is such a big, um, you know, issue. Right. With there being lots of drought. But um, I'm not sure if they have combined sewer overflow, but they, I did read that one of the managers, city manager, whatever, was talking about how the storm probably made a contribution to this particular stress on the system. There's a lot of extra water gotcha. in the system. And the pipes can only handle so much flow, right? There's a, a lot of pressure on those systems and makes it more likely that they're going to burst. Um, but it sounds like Long Beach is about ready to update. Right. They're pipes, right? Mm-hmm. So they just need to make sure that happens. And, you know, that's exciting that they're, at, I mean, do you know how that is that happening? So that was one of the things I was like, it's wondering to, about. To my knowledge, no. And it's interesting because we had a oil spill um, not too long ago. And to me, these are two separate entities. But once again, wow. that spilled into our ocean. And right. and then we again had a member from um, the aquarium aquarium of the Pacific kind of broke it down for me, and it's and it's interesting because it just clicked for me right now because now I just said he said almost the exact same thing you said, whereas it huh. there are oil pipelines are they're only supposed to last I believe he said fifty years and most of right. them are like fifty two fifty three some even fifty five years old so it seems yeah. like um even though to me it was unrelated until this moment, obviously this piping issue is an across the board issue that affects our oil piping as well as our sewage piping. That actually is really interesting. It sounds like a lot of infrastructure was laid around the same time because I was reading that Long Beach's pipes were put in around 61. Mm-hmm. So they're coming up on 60 years old and uh, or they're 60 years old and sewage infrastructure lasts like wastewater treatment plants last about, oh God, I think it's like 40 years, 50 years maybe. Same with pipes. So um, everything is at their expiration at right. this point. And so what you're going to expect is a lot more like plugging the dike, mm-hmm. like bursts here, bursts there, and disruptions in daily life until they get distorted. So it, there's a reason why there's infrastructure bills and things like that that are hot topic right now. It's because the U.S has in some cases hundred year old pipes and hundred or more than a hundred year old pipes. Right. Um so so this is this is really a truly serious thing that needs to be addressed. I want to go back to something you yeah. said at the at the beginning of the conversation, you know, where we're kind of on this gold mine. That's never something that I've thought about with sewage is is and last, right. last week I had somebody on the show we were talking about composting and you know how that can help our I didn't think about sewage because that's obviously food and stuff that you're composting. So right. How right. could we use sewage to our benefit? We actually have some fun little videos that we played around with when we launched to talk about three different ways that you can look at wastewater mm-hmm. um, in terms of turning it into a benefit, a resource. So obviously water is one. And you can extract the water. You can divert the water. So there are like toilets that are urine diversion toilets. So when a person pees, the pee goes down one pipe and the poop goes down a different pipe. Mm, and okay. so you you don't even have to worry about separating the water out from the feces. Um, you just need to um, purify the pee. So there are actually technologies that 
are doing that now. There's a lot of tech innovation in this space. Um, but the water is obviously critically important around the world, but it's even more important in places that have water shortages, like California. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't want to be don't be trashing the environment, you know, polluting the environment with something you actually need. Um, so you can you can purify water to the point that it's perfectly safe to drink. Orange County has been doing this for 30 years, and then LA County is has just made a commitment to do this by 2035 okay. to go from to be able to purify their drinking water, their wastewater into drinking water. So in the next 15 years, that will become a norm in LA. And this is a norm. This is something that is happening around the world. Singapore um, actually has a tourist attraction. It's like, it is a tourist attraction coming to see how their water treatment systems are because they have very limited natural resources in Singapore. Mm -hmm. And so they recycle their water and they drink it. Um, So this isn't, it sounds like people freak out about this. And when they started talking about it a lot more, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, poorly marketed as toilet to tap, which you can imagine. Right. Gross, right. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, so they've had to sort of step back from that and figure out how to talk to people about this, but they appreciate how, how this is very possible mm-hmm. that you can purify water and make it safe to drink. Um, so water is a big one. Then there's fuel. So you can get biogas and biochar out of um, human waste. Okay. And then and then so you can burn, you can create electricity, and it's a much more um, climate-friendly approach to energy. Um, and then you can also, um, yeah, biogas, biochar. And then you can also harvest, um, the nitrogen and phosphorus for fertilizer mm-hmm. and you can fertilize you can fertilize crops and the thing that is most compelling to me about that is the phosphorus um, because phosphorus is kind of like oil as far as we understand currently in that it's limited in supply and they expect us to be at peak phosphorus you know they talk about peak oil they expect us to be at peak phosphorus within about 10 years Okay. And that, and that we need phosphorus to grow food. Mm-hmm. And so we're dumping it into the ocean instead when we could be capturing it at the source, recycling it and using it to grow our food. Gotcha. So, okay. so it's really, when I started to understand these solutions and the value of our human waste, I was like, this is so stupid. Right. Like, <laughs> that we're not doing this. You know, and they, Time Magazine actually did an article a few years ago where they valued some, like, valued this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it was something like $10 billion a year was just the value of human food. Um, I can look up the statistic, but it was, like, pretty mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just untapped, right? It's, it's untapped energy. It's untapped um fertilizer it's just it's a really interesting solution because you avoid pollution right and you're adding you're at you're you're tapping into natural resources that are limited that we require to live as human beings on this planet um so you know there are places that are really embracing this um and trying to figure out how to do it 
Mm-hmm. And I actually, you know, I use Southern California as an example of a place that's doing water reclamation um, because it's, you know, it's happening in very affluent communities. And that's important for people to see that right. this is, this is um, something that can happen. It's not, again, not for low income countries. Like people will say, oh, you only have to do that in low income countries. We have limited, limited resources and money and we can. We can. We don't have to do that here. Kind right. of attitude. Um, but nobody is immune. I mean, California's seen this. I've lived in places that have had these water shortages. When you don't got water, you don't got water. Right. Right. <laughs> you know. I, I love how you how you said the toilet to tap was a bad idea because I you know if I drop something in the toilet, it's just lost forever. It's gone. It's going in the trash. Right. I'm not using it. But you know, it's 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 definitely something we would have to retrain our minds to. Is there some place? Is there a website where our listeners, our readers can go and learn more about this because this is fascinating to me. Never in a million years would I have thought, hey, this is a resource that we're literally flushing down the toilet that if we continue to do it this way, it's going to continue to be a problem, but we can actually tap into it. Never thought about that until this phone call. So thank you so much for that. Oh, Uh, (laughs) yeah. Now, once again, don't forget, you can learn more about Ocean Sewage Alliance by visiting their website at www.oceansewagealliance.org. While you're there, you can go to their About Me page and you can see the partners that they're working with. They have a lot of partners that they're working with that are doing a lot of amazing things. And if you want to get involved, you can find out how to do so there. There's also some videos that'll help you learn more about these micro sewage leaks that happen in our oceans all the time. It's mind boggling. And I hope we all take that first step to retraining our brains so we can re-potty train the world. Coming up next, I'm going to introduce you to what's becoming our multimedia fan favorite, Tim Grobeatty. Stay with us. The journalism of the Long Beach Post is free to read, but not free to produce. The work of our journalists takes time, patience, investment, and most of all, your financial support. Through the end of the year, you can make a tax-deductible contribution for our investigative reporting by visiting lbpost.com support. Once again, that's lbpost.com support. Thank you. Welcome back to The Word on Long Beach. I'm Jackie Ray. I know we are in 2022, but unfortunately, not that much has changed since COVID took over the entire planet. So we're going to reflect. I joined the Long Beach Post in May of last year. So for me, it was well after we were all quarantining and staying at home. By the time I joined, we were in the office here at the Long Beach Post. But Tim Grobeatty is joining me. And he not only was in a different time then, he actually experienced something else on a personal level where he had to quarantine much, much longer. So we're going to get into that. Tim, thank you so much for thank joining you. us today. Happy New Year. Thank you. I was about to say the same to you in the intro and realized I would have screwed the whole thing up. <laughs> funny, um, funny story for those of you um, who are listening, you probably don't know this. Today, we are in the office here at the Long Beach Post. It's myself, Tim, and Thomas. Everyone else is working from home because of the new Omicron variant. So is this is this similar to you? It's it's exactly the same and the complete opposite. Oh, it Um, is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that I'm the only one uh, aside from you two that Mm -hmm. came in. So I'm still uh, I'm still in semi isolation, Uh, but I don't want to write a column about it every day. Right. uh, Yeah, because that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, and I was in quarantine. I guess when you started, because I was in quarantine Mm -hmm. till uh, sometime in June. Yeah. 
So how long were you in quarantine in total? 80 days. 80 days. Yeah. Why Why so long? <laughs> was uh, that for the whole office or just you? No, no, it was me because I'm old. Oh, no. <laughs> the governor said, uh, you know, if you're over certain age right to uh, to stay home to keep you safe and of course i always do you know what the government says right because they're it's, so trustworthy right and so uh, <laughs> i was home that whole time with my two dogs and uh, and just had to write a column about it every day people from the office my co-workers generously provided me with things to do after about my first 20 days they said oh you're starting to bog down there's nothing to do mm-hmm. so they started giving me hobbies and things to do so, you know, I learned how to do calligraphy, I took yoga, I did um, color by numbers. Right. I did all these little Because you, you were really by yourself. That had to kind of make you go, I mean, did people come visit you or were you really, no. for 80 days? No, they, they left stuff on my porch and then ran off into the darkness. Come on. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> there's a funny story that's about halfway through, one time I opened the front door to see if there's anything out there and there's this tent it was like a i didn't know whether it was a dog tent or a pup tent it was kind of little in in pieces and so i figured well somebody wants me to set up a tent so i went in the backyard and my daughter and my daughter was home too um my daughter and i wrestled with this tent which turned out to be broken mm. so i took the broken piece to the hardware store and had them fix it and brought it home, and it still wouldn't work because there was another thing that was broken. And I said, well, somebody wants me to, be, <laughs> to fix their tent, I guess. Right. And so uh, <laughs> a couple nights later, and I asked everybody at work, I said, hey, did anybody send me this busted up tent? Got no response. <laughs> a couple nights later, I was at home, and the doorbell rang, and there was this couple and their child saying, hey, did somebody leave a broken tent on your doorstep <laughs> so it wasn't even for you it wasn't for me it was just somebody had mistakenly dropped it off and i just took it and started started messing did with you end it. up fixing it no oh, okay i was gonna no. say there's probably like oh yay that worked out i gave him the part that i did fix mm-hmm. and he was appreciative i thought the story was funny but i don't know who left it there or, or i didn't really get much more of the story but it's just funny that I thought it was a project for me. Yeah, because well, you probably needed it being it in the house. I still got a column out of right. it. Right. <laughs> That's interesting though, because now it seems like we're night and day difference. I think a lot of us, when we went into shutdown, the lockdown. Um, I was living in Hollywood when I think we initially went into the lockdown March 11th of 2020, and it was a ghost town, which for me was great because. Hollywood for the first time that I since I've lived there and I've lived there for quite some time it smelled really good because all the flowers mm-hmm. usually Hollywood smells terrible but it smelled really good and so you could have these nice peaceful walks because there was literally no one around right. um, but now it's the opposite now you're hearing the same thing about hey you should you know probably quarantine New Year's was just around the um, a few days ago and I had a friend, I opted out of going to the comedy show because I just didn't feel comfortable. But my friend went to this comedy show. It's in a club. You know, comedy shows are in these tiny clubs. And wall to wall, jam packed. So what do you think the difference is between people really taking heed to, okay, we need to not gather in large groups to now people are, are hearing that same message and being like, I mean, I don't care. I'm going to go gather. <laughs> right. You know, I think the, the initial when they locked everybody down and, and those kinds of things, it was almost a novelty. It sounds horrible to say that because mm. people were dying all the time, but it still seemed novel. People were saying, God, I want, 
I drove to such and such. There was like no cars on the road. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, you know, there were deer walking mm -hmm. around places <laughs> where they were never deer before and fish mm -hmm. were doing great. It was almost good for the, or it was good for the planet. Well, it lasted. It's kind of the thing we're going to have to do to take care of climate change. I mean, it's going to be that kind of response almost where everybody just quits doing things. Mm -hmm. And certainly uh, these things that require, you know, energy and everything requires energy. Right. Uh, but I, yeah, and, and I think this time people are going, yeah, it was novel the first time, but I'm not going to do that again. Mm -hmm. And with Omicron, people are saying, well, you just get sick. You know, you don't get hospitalized, you don't die. And they're willing to take a chance on getting what they feel maybe is like a flu or something. Yeah. I mean, now this is just my opinion. Don't, everybody, don't panic. But for me, I read the CDC every day. And I would highly recommend if you are a hypochondriac, do not read the CDC every day because it's because you'll have <laughs> every symptom right. possible. But <laughs> um, but one of the things that kind of um, I was talking to a friend of mine about it um, and because we are we both know that we're borderline hypochondriacs. And mm -hmm. We talk we talk each other off the ledge often. But one of the things that we she's not doing what I thought, like I'm I opted out of the comedy show again because I was like, this doesn't seem safe to me right now. She's out there living her best life. And I'm like, how are you doing this? And for her, it's because of how every day it seems to be something different on the CDC's website. And for her, she's like, I'm not going to shut myself off mentally or socially until they get it together and can tell me just cut and dry. This is exactly what it is. This is what you can expect. This is what you need to do. And it, it, it was an interesting thought process to me because for me, I was like, okay, I could see, you know, people thinking that because we have kind of been all over the place. Do you think maybe that plays into it a little bit? Yeah. In fact, I think I'm getting a fever right, right? now. Yeah. Because <laughs> the CDC said we might. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do, I, I do the same thing with hypochondria. I was, mm -hmm. um, I got my booster shot and on the way home, I, I, I felt my right arm. I said, oh, my right arm's sore from that shot. Then I mm -hmm. realized I got the shot on my left arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so play, I mean, even um, Jason Ruiz here in um, at the Post, he got his booster shot, and then he said he had a growth under his arm for a long time. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to wait until three months after that growth goes away. And then I'm <laughs> going to revisit with him and then I'll get the booster shot. But I'm going to wait. <laughs> I don't need any weird thing growing, especially under my right arm. I'm right handed. I can't right. have that. You know. But it's, it's definitely, I think, you know, my mom said it best because my mom, she lives in a senior facility in Colorado. And so when I went home to visit her, um, some of the staff members had tested positive. So the whole everyone was quarantined. You know, you couldn't, you could come and go obviously because they can't hold you hostage because, you know, you're renting the place, but they really recommended you staying in your room. But for her, she's like, I can't, I'm too old to be sitting around not socializing. And, you know, as you get older, it's a little different. You do need that social interaction. You do need to keep your mind active. So she was just not, she's like, I can't do this all over again. And I think unfortunately, and I know this is a terrible thing to say, but hearing that people are dying and things of that nature isn't really changing the fact that people are just over it at yeah. this point. <laughs> I think. Yeah, they're too tough for it, mm -hmm. you know, or they it's a myth or it's mm -hmm. fake. And, of course, it's turned political, which is unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Um, I don't like to get sick at all. You know, I get flu shots. I mean, mm -hmm. So I don't think it's okay to, to get Omicron. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, 
it's not, it might not be the death sentence. My sister had COVID pretty bad. She was in ICU for quite a while. Mm. And, uh, you know, I didn't want that. She didn't want me to have that. Right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, she doesn't want it again. Uh, it, was, it was really bad. And I think it's just a, a matter of people just not being as afraid mm. anymore. And like you said, too, people are saying, well, you know, we're getting this advice, we're getting that advice, we're getting the other advice, and I don't want to sort through it. Right. I just live my life. Mm-hmm. And we got to be safe, though. You know, I, I'm very glad to hear, you know, your side of how you were in quarantine for 80 days. It didn't even dawn on me that because you're older, you had to quarantine longer. I, I think I missed that whole part. <laughs> no, I <laughs> I didn't even know that. So, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things. But thank you. Anything else that's drastically different before we go? Um, hopefully there won't be an insurrection this year. Maybe that'll be Ooh, nice. Yeah, we're, mm-hmm. we're coming up on the anniversary of that, January yeah. 6th. And that's so. probably going to be something as well. So, Well, you don't have the I don't know. <laughs> instigator of that one. So, you know, well, he's still out have. there yeah. poking around the edges. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, hope we don't repeat, you know, this year. Day by day, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> January 6th is going to be the same as last January Right. 6th. I think COVID is going to be around for a long, 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 long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just going to have to learn to live with it as yeah. we can. Yeah, I think that's the best advice. Great way to end this segment. You guys, thank you so much for listening to us. This has been The Word on Long Beach. Don't forget, you can email me directly. You can direct message me if you have a story idea. Um, And until next time, if you have to speak a word, make sure it's a good one. We'll see you next week.